Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim G.K. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to the core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Again, welcome again to the core business show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Uh, today, again, we're going to talk about grace and love. And uh, uh, I guess we're going to start with the uh, bios on a couple of the uh, composers. They're going to take a, take a minute and tell us about themselves, and then we'll dive straight into the album. So, Bob, you first. Uh, hello, everybody. This is Bob Hurd, and uh, I'm delighted to have been part of this project with my friends Jaime and Eleazar, Gracia y Amor, or Grace and Love. Um, I'm living in Claremont, California, recently moved from San Jose, and um, uh, I've been collaborating over the years with both Jaime and Eleazar, and um, so this is kind of a, a fruition of a long long-term uh, working together, and we're, we're really very excited about it. Wow. Okay, next. Um, Eleazar? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm Eleazar Cortez, and I was born in, in, in Mexico, in Mexico, Michoacán, and I came to California in 1971, and... 
I've been writing uh, music for the church for a, a little little while now, and I've been pushed by Jaime and by Bob to write bilingual music, so now I'm part of this project. And Thank I'm you Jaime for being sure. I, I I'm Jaime Cortez, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I'm, I'm actually in Mesa, which is a suburb of Phoenix, and uh, I've been doing... Uh, ministry of Music for the Catholic Church for about 20 years, and I uh, have had a wonderful relationship, uh, professional relationship with Bob Hurd and with Eleazar Cortez, and uh, we have uh, the fortune of being able to work together in this project and put it together to, to do uh, a little bit of additional music to bring together the Spanish-speaking and the English-speaking cultures of the United States through worship through this bilingual music. So it's, uh, it's a great day for us, and it's also uh, good to be in this uh, radio show. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the project. And ironically, uh, I met Rudy uh, in the Dallas conference, I think he had last April, and I said, hey, I'm getting ready to inherit a, uh, a Spanish choir. <laughs> And I know speaking English, she said, don't worry about it. The music will speak for itself. And so far, almost an entire year, we uh, grew the group into 60 people. And I'm still rusty on Spanish. I'm still getting there. But somehow I'm learning a lot from uh, what I learned from the workshop, which I thank you guys for OCP. And uh, it has one work wonders. And then we have a, a band and a choir of, uh, of 60 people. So, wow, that's uh, great. Really yeah, it's really, really working, and I survived. It's almost been a year. So you keep pushing the products out, and we keep buying it. I guess let's dive into this particular project itself. How this project came to be? Anybody want to start with it? Well, uh, this is this is Bob speaking, uh, and I, I'm sure Jaime and Eleazar can chime in. Um, we were at an, uh, uh, a conference of uh, composers, about five years ago, and um, you know Jaime and I collaborated on Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo. It's about 20 years ago now, and we were thinking, you know, a lot of that music has gotten a lot of use. It really seemed to work, but now it's we need some new stuff. So we we started talking about that. Isn't that right, Jaime? That's absolutely right, and uh, I remember really well being in a little social evening, and uh, we pulled Eliazar aside and said, okay, what is it going to take for us to get together and do this uh, this collection? So we kind of agreed there how we were going to split it up, and I remember that you said you were going to tell us some information of some scriptures that we were going to use, and uh, we uh, went ahead and started taking off on the project. Yeah. Yeah, this is Eliazar. Um yeah, I remember also, yeah, we were in a little room uh, taking a break, and we started talking about uh, what's next. And as I said before, I I write mostly in Spanish, but every time that I get in touch with Jaime and, and Bob, they, they are really, uh, they have worked really hard on bilingual music. So I said, yeah, it would be interesting for me to join you guys. And I did. Well, what one of the challenges really? You guys are on the three different time zones. One is in the East Coast. One is in in uh, Mountain, and one is in uh, California time. How do you guys go and collaborate? Is technology 
was the the, the catalyst of that? You know, this is Bob speaking. Um, actually, we're, we're all sort of in the western uh, part. Uh, Jaime's in Florida right now, but he's he's in Phoenix, and and Eliazar and I are in California. But really, I think, and I uh, see what the others think about this. I think the most valuable time we had was when we all got together in person. You know, we would work on pieces of music individually. Um, or uh, there were opportunities, for example, for Jaime and I to be together at a conference and work on <clears throat> a piece of music right from scratch together. But for the most part, we, we each worked on pieces, but then we came together and we looked at each other's pieces, we gave suggestions, stuff like that. And that there's just no substitute for that, I think. Uh, I think, though, that this is Jaime, I think that uh, the, 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 the aspect that Tim is asking is how does technology help us in, in whenever mm-hmm. whenever we couldn't be present together? And so certainly I agree with Bob that being, being together in, in a circle playing music was the best. So for the times that we couldn't be there, we, um, we used the computers. You know, we, sometimes we did Pro Tools. Uh, we use the computer also for. I use a program with um, with uh, recording, you know, so that we 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 can get a little bit of a like a like a small demo, uh, so that we can you know we, maybe we could Bob or Eliezer would send through email through maybe a program a software program like Finale would send a chart you know of what they have sketched and I would take it and put it in Pro Tools, sing it just as a demo tape then compress it into an MP3 file, send it back to them so they could hear it. That way we could also get a better idea of how it would sound musically, you know, in a recording situation. And uh, and then we would comment or say, no, you know, this melody needs to be changed this way. I remember very well uh, having switched some melody that Bob had written and then Bob giving me the feedback, you know, we need to put it back the way it was and, and this and that. So sometimes we did certainly use the computers on the Internet uh, and recording programs, you know, to to be able to to um, to bring to, to reality some of these songs when we were geographically apart. When when you go back into uh, the thought of the project itself, and did you guys kind of divide up the responsibility? Say, hey, I'm going to do a slow or fast song, or I'm going to do one in this particular style. How you guys came together and trying to pick which songs or which styles are you actually going to present on the album or lead? Uh, this is this Eliazar. Uh, to me, it was very simple <laughs> because um, uh, Bob prepared some some of the uh, the themes, like uh, why don't we write about uh, gathering songs, uh, preparation of gifts, communion songs. He gave us like uh, ideas of what we could do. And we, each of us, choose what we wanted to write about. But we didn't choose the rhythms or or style, anything, uh, because we just. To me, I just did my homework. I choose my my, I chose my my the themes that I wanted to write about, and then I tell I told them, this is what I'm writing, and basically. Everything happened when we got together in San Jose at Bob's house. We spent some time there um, discussing and, and, and correcting and, and deciding. 
and everything started getting uh, in shape right there. So to I, me, it was this, a simple process. This is Jaime here. Uh, one of the interesting things is that all of us, you know, have done much work in church, but we also have come from very different musical backgrounds, and so we have some common ground, but really our styles of executing, of writing, executing, and, and uh, designing a song are very, very different and varied. So in that sense, it was really interesting because the three of us could be in a circle and we would, have, you know, like Eliazar describing, we would propose a song from Eliazar and he would do it and it just sounds so Eliazar Cortez. And then Bob <laughs> would propose one of his songs and it would sound so Bob Hurd. And so, and so that, you know, it was, it was interesting that we all, we, there was no need to make, uh, you know, like you you make this kind of song, you make this kind of song. We kind of naturally all brought our own musical background and our influences and our styles to the thing. And then it was just a matter of blending a little bit of each other's ideas. And even in the recording studio, as I mentioned in other, in other times, you know, when we were recording the, the project, it was also, you know, we, we were very open to the idea of receiving um, uh, ideas from other people. And from the three of us to say, well, how about if we speed it up a little bit? Or how about if we do it in this style instead? Let's try it in this way. And so we had agreed to not say no to any ideas, and and that also brought a different uh, flavor to the whole to the whole project. You know, and this is Bob. I have to I have to say it was really challenging working with with Jaime because you know I would sound my songs would sound so Bob Heard and Eliasars would sound so Eliasars. And and Jaime's would sound so Paul McCartney, you know. I it was just we had to write better because of the quality of what he was doing. Oh come on! But, but but really, but really, it, that that's the joy of this collection. I think for each of us is that it's so great to be part of such a diverse range of music, you know. Instead of it all being one way, it's very. It's it's a wonderful tapestry of different styles. Which in a multicultural collection of music, you know, that is one of the things you want to highlight, that different gifts are welcome and important, <clears throat> and uh, and they yeah. want to be showcased in a way that, you know, that represent different parts of the world. So that, that was also very good for the collection. Well, taking those particular styles, each person has a style that they, 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 they really home in on themselves. Maybe if I'm at church, I play a certain way. Maybe if I'm at home, I play a certain way. Taking you guys' styles all together from saying that, hey, I have influence, I grew up with the glory and praise era, whatever, the folk, and hey, I'm Santana, rock and roll. Hey, I'm in the middle. <laughs> I'm in Van Halen. These different styles and influence, when you get when you sit there and go through a a recording session, and so far you guys already met, how you actually put all of those pieces together? Well, this is Bob speaking. I think, you know, actually we each have a number of styles. I mean, we each write different things depending on the text and and then uh, just the musical influences in our lives. So it's not as though there's a Bob Hurd style. It's it's I, I, I've written gospel style. I've written chant style. You know, I've done these things, and it's true also – Eliazar and and Jaime, and I think at least for me, I would say that the way I would write a piece for me very much depends upon the text. Um, 
so that you know that's i i'm looking at the text and i'm i'm trying to figure out how music can support this scriptural story or even just the scripture itself uh is it uh, is it a, is it a praise scripture or is it a, a a lament scripture and so forth like that and then the other thing i would say is that we had decided early on that we wanted the overall style of this recording to be uh, more like spirit and song contemporary style than a slightly more choral or, or traditional style. So that was kind. Of, we all agreed on that, and that affected the kind of sound that we ended up with. Wow. Any with a producer, I mean to cut you off. Any producer usually have any mind uh, if they're going to produce an album. I, overall, this is what I need to get at the very end of the project. With the producer on the project, and you got all three of you guys, uh, did one particular thing uh, in a sense of, hey, the producer has his sound that he wants, and you guys have your sound, and you guys compromise between the two? or um, Since that's the, the fourth all, wheel. It, great question. You know, and It was so... I, I mean, we we all pitied the person who was going to produce this because you know <laughs> they have to they have to bring us all together and to say no, we're going to do this instead, you know. And so it had to be somebody who had great musicality, uh, experience in the studio, and and also um, you know an ability to make a decision over us. And and that was not an easy task. But uh, Rick Modlin was um, chosen. He was from OCP, and he we actually uh, requested to have him with us and. And it worked out terrific. I think that one of the important things that we early on in the recording process had agreed that no matter what, we were going to try different things, but that that the producer of the album, which was Rick, was going to have the last say. And I guess in that sense, we were all uh, also willing to follow his leadership. And that's in that case, you know, and, and whenever we were going back and forth on an idea, you know, he would have he would have the ability and the permission from all of us to say, okay. Let's stop now, and we're going to do this. We're going to try this. And he would also have the last end on, you know, whether the takes were good or not. So in a way, we gave each other, you know, that, that permission so that so that we wouldn't end up on arguing endlessly without making any decisions at all. And it can happen when you have three artists in the booth, you know, making decisions for the music. So it could become difficult, but Rick made it very easy for us. Um, this is Eliazar. And... and uh, in my opinion, uh, I write my music, and, and of course I think it's 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 good because I wrote it. <laughs> but then when I go <laughs> and collaborate with other people, it it makes it better, a lot better. And and to me, it was a blessing working with with Jaime, Bob, and with Rick because Rick is a great musician and he has a great vision. Even though Spanish is not his uh, his strength, but he had uh, great suggestions, and 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 also we really um, collaborated because uh, Jaime uh, had ideas for my my music. He he we sang the three of us in one of my songs, and that was great for me because it made the, the song a lot better than if I had just decided by, by myself. And then also uh, Bob asked me to do some some uh, parts for instruments. And that, I don't know, it, it was a bond special that I, I haven't 
felt when when I go and record by myself, just the producer and me, it's kind of uh, uh, give us more um, uh, a, bi- a bigger vision, a better vision when when you have uh, ideas from from good musicians and good composers. So it was a great experience for me. Wow. Let's take a break real quick uh, and play one of the tracks real quick. Um, I guess I'm going to give you guys a choice. Uh, off the album, I have eight tracks here. Let's take a break and play one of the tracks don't, and then talk about the song. Don't give us a choice. Rick is not here. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be diplomatic, you know? <laughs> well, if we want to be diplomatic, let's find a Jaime Cortez song. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Where the... You take one of each. Okay, so which one do you want to play? Oh, I would suggest that we play. Uh, I I will be I I am with you always. Your aesthetic on the stairs will be my choice for Heine. Okay, tell us the story behind the song. Um, Bob uh, asked me to come up with a song for dismissal at the end as a mission song, you know, and so it is. Uh, a song that just gives us the energy to go out into the world and make, you know, make disciples of all the nations. You know, and so it's just a, a text for the mission of the church. Okay, no problem. We're just going to dive into it. You guys can take a break real quick, and we'll be back in a moment after we play this tune. Great. <laughs>
Wow, that was powerful. <laughs> Excellent arrangement. Thank you for sharing that with us. I, I, one thing, a question I really have, I, I think what I'm starting to know is with OCP, is it a challenge in writing text as bilingual that you have to switch from English to Spanish? You know, you have all Spanish, all English, and then bilingual. How do you actually put those pieces together? Because then you're dealing with uh, different languages that has different sort of meanings with it. So how would you guys put that together like that? Um, well, this is Bob speaking. I, I think um, we've learned something over the years uh, that if you're going to go back and forth between languages within a song, uh, to do that really well, and Jaime really helped me to understand this better, each part, you know, each each language has to have be complete. In, in other words, I can't just sing an English line and then halfway through throw in a few Spanish words that only give some of the meaning. You, you really have to think about, well, what are the people who only speak one of these two languages going to understand when they hear the song pass over into their language? So you sort of have this challenge of, of involving both languages, but in a way in which the meaning is really clear to both um, groups of linguistic groups. Now, some of them are going to be bilingual, so they'll understand both, but oftentimes in our parishes, we might have, you know, an all Spanish choir coming together with an all English choir for a multi, you know, for, for a bilingual celebration, and we can't assume that everybody knows both languages. So that that's one challenge. Um, and that's one reason why OCP has actually we originated this, Jaime and I, this notion that maybe the song should be written in such a way that it can have an all English version and an all Spanish version and then a bilingual version. But I think on this project we, we made a conscious decision that we didn't have to do that on every single song. As long mm-hmm. as um, you know, you could have a bilingual refrain that was only bilingual, but then you'd have a complete set of verses in English or a complete set of verses in Spanish. So uh, as you look at these songs, you'll find that some of them have have options in all three languages, but not not in every case. Um, and, yeah, this is Eleazar. And, and also for me, the, the main challenge is... Uh, I'm very used to the accents, how do you pronounce the words in Spanish, but not in English. So sometimes I, I use words that, um, that don't, don't fit the, 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 the way you pronounce them, the way you, you say them. But that's when, when it comes the help of Jaime and, and Bob. They really helped me on that. And, and, and also some of my, my songs are are like that, just a piece in Spanish and a little bit in English. But those are songs that the refrain is really short. So you can repeat mm-hmm. the same idea with different different phrases. Any examples that stand out to you uh, that you can kind of uh, point out regarding the accent? Uh, yeah, because um, uh, let's let's say they uh, they are uh, one of my favorite songs on this on this recording is uh, one by Bob, Te alabamos, Señor, and and in Spanish is 
te alabamos, Señor, de, de énfasis en te alabamos. En en inglés es we praise you. See, it's 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 in the beginning of the phrase. So that's we have to work on that to make it um, uh, sound good, not 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 to to just adapt the English to to my Spanish or the other way mm -hmm. around, adapt the Spanish to what we say in English. So that, those are little things that uh, we as composers have to take care of uh, so people don't trip on those on those uh, uh, accents. Uh, and, and that's an, a good example. Te alabamos, Señor. Alaba, right there is the, the strong accent. And in, in English it's we praise you. It's in the beginning. So that's the the challenge. Wow. Talking about, you know, Sumo, uh, going back 20 years ago, I, I guess when you got, almost 20 years ago, when you actually uh, collaborated on that first project, tell us how we have grown from uh, when that album came out, We Have the Body of Christ, to where you are today. I, mean, I know that you have a, a huge evolution between that particular period. Uh, can someone compare to us from that particular project to where you are today and where you, you can see you guys going from this point on? This is Jaime. I, I'll let Bob expand over on this, but I, I'm going to say that at least uh, in 20 years, the entire uh, population of music ministers uh, not only has grown in terms of the need of multicultural music and bilingual music, but also I think that the, the entire assembly in, in the country has become more sophisticated and a little bit more open to doing this kind of music. When we released Somos uh, Cuerpo de Cristo 20 years ago, it was still fairly new. And in a project of that magnitude, in, in terms of writing music for the liturgy for Mass, uh, in bilingual form, they were completely written in English and in Spanish in bilingual options, had not been done yet. That was the first project that came out like that. So it was a very new thing. What I remember from that time is that areas like Texas, New Mexico, California, uh, Florida, New York were the ones that reacted and said, "Wow, you know, we really needed this. Thank you very much." Uh, but now, you know, we we have uh, in 20 years have evolved into the Hispanic community has moved into almost every city of the country, and uh, and so the, this need uh, is slowly becoming much larger for for the entire nation, and and with that means that more people in the English-speaking world have become exposed to that kind of music and sometimes have encountered in their in their entire year of worship in their church at least a couple of celebrations in which they have to be trying different languages. And so everything became more sophisticated. And, and even the music that we write now uh, became a little bit, in terms of function, a little bit more specific. Then we needed, we became, there, there became a need for music for weddings, for baptisms, for funerals that had both languages. And so the need uh, has grown. I don't know, Bob, if you want to expand on that. Well, yeah, I I would just say that, um, especially on the coasts, um, one of the things that's kind of changed, at least where I am, is uh, it used to be a big challenge to do a bilingual English-Spanish liturgy, and now there there's a lot of music for that that wasn't there when we first started. We really did supply the first big amount of music for that, but but now the need is almost uh, more multilingual than bilingual. So 
on the West Coast and in the places where I've lived, there's a lot of Vietnamese Catholics. And um, so, it, you know, you're, you, often you're faced with you can't just do two languages when you have a when you're bringing everybody together for Holy Thursday. You've got to be prepared to do three or four languages, uh, and that's a lot harder to do well. And there's a lot less music for that, although that's an area that I think we've all done some work in. So that's a change. Wow. That's a change, too. Yeah, it's become a lot more sophisticated, and the need has become bigger. More more uh, towns in the nation uh, have become multicultural, and, and especially in the Catholic Church. So the need of those specific times of the year, especially I'm thinking of at least Holy Week, Thanksgiving, you know, those are naturals in which we we will need, you know, music in different languages, not only in Spanish and English, but now entering more Vietnamese, Filipino, you know, and other languages. Yeah, Definitely. I think, you know, one of the big reasons why this has happened is that the these immigrant uh, populations are very vibrant in their Catholicism. I mean, they're kind of the future of the church here. So, it's not just a matter of kind of you know begrudgingly accepting these other languages. This is really, this is really the energy in the church these days um, is is these immigrant populations, and so it's it would be really bad news to to somehow not pay attention to that and be willing to serve that. Right. Well, we're going to play another track. So who's up next? Thank you for the uh, for the comments. I really appreciate it. Sure. Well, how about um, uh, Eliezer was talking about the Alabamos, Senor? So All right. play that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And the title track is called again. The Alabamos, Senor. In English? Well, it just it really only has a Spanish title. It's number eight or I think it's seven or eight. Okay. Alabamos, Señor. Okay, let me look for that for a second. Let's go to another one and let let her go ahead and load that one up. That's only she has eight here and I don't see it. So I can have her get that one real quick. In the meantime, is there another one we can choose from? We'll come back to that one. The Alabamos is number 10 on the CD, if you're looking for it. Number 10. Okay, no problem. Go ahead and play this one. And this one is written by? Bob. Bob Hurd and Jaime Cortez helped with the lyrics. Great. So someone tell us a story about this particular track. Actually, Jaime did the Spanish lyrics on this, except for the refrain. Bob, Bob and I wrote this together. Uh, in Texas, right? Didn't we in Dallas or something? That's right. And uh, uh, actually, you know, I'm remembering now, Jaime also uh, made some good suggestions on the melodic changes to this. Um, The idea was to have a song of praise for the post-communion. We don't do much of this, but it's one of the things that the documents allow us to do to have a general song of praise after communion when people are sort of have sat down uh, 
normally we have silence, but there's also the option of a song of praise. So that's what I wanted to do was a kind of a very simple song of praise, almost in a Teze-like style. Mm-hmm. Jaime, do you have any other? Uh, I, it's one of the few songs that we actually we're physically together. They're writing it from scratch, which was a really great uh, a great experience to do something you know from scratch together. No wonder is my favorite one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. We're gonna go ahead and dive into this one real quick, and we'll be back in a moment and within three minutes. Thank you guys for the comments on it. Sure.
So, guys, well, welcome back again uh, to the Core Business Show. Okay. And, and taking this particular project and putting it in the hands of musicians with the arrangement, um, do you see that the tide is going to turn uh, with the new generation of musicians uh, with music in general? For example, I never thought in my 25-year or 30-year history since 1980 that now I end up leading a Spanish all Spanish choir. Uh, by default, the person uh, who had it was too much for them, and in band liturgy and music, they had to step in to take it. But actually, it's it's one o'clock. It's a full mass. Is coming behind another choir I've had. But as I start to see the new generation is coming in helping add in some arrangements. Do you see that now we're going to all of a sudden in in the next few years that this new musicians that's coming in is kind of going to go and uh, move this in a different direction, if that's making sense? Ooh, that's a tough question. You know, I'm I'm already experiencing some of that in my parishes in this area of L.A. where I'm living. But it's not... Um, it's kind of a negative thing in this sense that um, a lot of the younger musicians have grown up with sort of uh, evangelical rock as their framework, mm-hmm. and so there's a there's a you know there's a an importation into Catholic liturgy of evangelical rock, which may or may not have much to do with the actual liturgical text. And, um, you know, the use of, of projecting lyrics on screens instead of having, you know, the notation in the words in front of people. Um, and and a sort of style that is, it's catchy, but it's less, it's less, it's not anchored so much in the assembly as in the sort of soloistic uh, talents of the singer all of which makes sense in an evangelical context, but it doesn't translate well into English liturgy. So uh, I'm not I'm not saying it's negative because it's a, a contemporary style or a rock style, because that can very clearly be written in an assembly-friendly way. Um, but I think it's kind of ignorance. It's kind of, well, here's how the megachurches are pulling in people, so let's do the same thing with our youth and other people here in our parish. Um, and, and the other part about that that's, that proposes a difficulty is often it's completely disconnected from the repertoire, the liturgical repertoire that has developed over the past 40 years. So, um, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is what would happen if people with these same skills rooted in the Catholic tradition began writing, you know, that contemporary music but with, with an with the with the sense that the assembly is the center of the music, not the band. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and we do have people in the spirit and song sort of category who've done that very well. I'm I'm thinking of Tom Booth, for example. A lot of Jaime's writing is very contemporary, but it is it is very strongly assembly oriented. So He's he's pushing the edges for the rest of us in terms of a more contemporary style, but he's deeply rooted in that sensibility. So that's some of what I've been kind of running up against. Do you think what advice do you have for them um, 
as they looking at to come into this new medium, uh, for example, I have people that's coming up real talented. Um, mm-hmm. What advice do you give them? What type of training uh you think they should really have as a foundation? Well, that's a huge question. <laughs> but I mean, you know, they really they really need to keep growing in their understanding of Catholic liturgy, uh at, especially as reformed by Vatican II and the documents that guide it. Uh you know, all of which call one of the formal requirements that all the documents talk about for for liturgical music is the centrality of the assembly singing. So, uh, but but I, I don't think this is something you discover overnight. I think this is something you cultivate over your time as a pastoral musician. And there, are, you know, if people attend the NPM or other conferences where workshops are offered, there's lots of opportunities for growth. But if if one if you're just simply listening to your favorite evangelical rock and roll and then and then wanting to identify yourself with that and bring that into the catholic liturgy that's problematic because we have a different understanding of worship than some of our protestant brothers and sisters and you can't just translate one into the other Wow. I think one of the one of the things that I would advise a young person would be that they need to be interested in their faith as a Catholic, and they need to study theology besides studying music. So one of the, one of the most important things is that when a person is starting to develop their faith and learning more about theology and learning more about liturgy, and the, and the documents that Bob mentioned, you know, especially. At least the first document of Vatican II, which is the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, it's a, you know, one of the writings, one of the letters that the, the bishops released from Vatican II, the, the, the Second Vatican Council, plus the the document called Sing to the Lord, which is specifically for musicians in the Church. Those, those documents they uh, speak volumes about the intention of how music functions within a liturgical celebration, and so. A musician of the church has to have a, 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 you know, and like Bob mentioned also, a a period of conversion and transformation in which they begin to understand the function of music within the liturgy. Uh, And so they have to to study a bit of theology, a bit of the history of the church, a bit of the documents that are released so that they can become a well-balanced musician for the Catholic worship. Um, Basically, Azar, and and my... my, um, my scene on this is um, every generation has their own way of expressing musically, even even in the in the popular music. But the the good thing about about music is that uh, it's changing all the time. But good music stays. So some of the hymns that are really strong and they have good theology and 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 appealing melodies. They were, they're going to last. They're going to last for 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 uh, for some time. And other, uh, I think there are uh, too much music published that we use just a little bit, and then uh, you don't use it anymore. When I go to Mexico, uh, the, yeah, the young people use electric guitars and 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 today sound. But people sing when you go back to old hymns. And you can feel the the the, the church 
singing or everybody because they know they don't need to read, they don't need to uh, learn. They just know it, and they transmit that from uh, your parents to children. And, and so I think we as composers, we, we just uh, write hoping that that will help the, the congregation. But we are, mm -hmm. in some way, we are not responsible if uh, music changes, if it, this is better, this is worse, or that's, that's another thing. Wow. We're going to move into our last song real quick. Uh, any suggestions on the last composer? Uh, yeah, if you have uh, uh, By the Power of Your Love, Okay, we have it, By the Power of Love. Tell us about this story. Um, this song, uh, this is the only one that I have written before we, we planned this, this project. Um, I already had it because uh, the, our diocese is, um, is, uh, was celebrating the 40th anniversary of, of the foundation, and they, they asked me to write something for communion. And I wrote this one, but of course it was really rough. Uh, I I got the benefit of showing it to Bob and Jaime, and we they improved it a lot. So that's the story. Wow! We'll go ahead and play that, and then we we'll come up with uh, last comments. And I really appreciate it. We'll be back in three minutes. <laughs> Gather at this table to receive. 
question real quick before we get with closing comments. Uh, all the arrangements are available through OCP for all the instrumental in the background, the flutes, violins. Yeah, yeah, this is Yeah, most of them are uh, in, in the octavo. They have the main uh, like if you use flute, it's there, and then mm -hmm. violins are there, uh, trumpets. And, and some of the, the ones that didn't fit on the on the octavo, you can call uh, OCP, and they, they, they have the manuscripts. Okay, perfect. Uh, closing comments from, I guess, each one of you. I guess we can go back from uh, the same order, alphabetical. Okay, uh, this is Bob. Thanks very much, Tim, for having us on your program. And um, oh, thank you. I just, I just say, you know, we 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 spent a long time putting this together, and then we spent an intensive time recording it. And I haven't listened to it for a long time, and and hearing it again, I'm I'm, it's like wow, this is pretty good. I'm very happy with this, and uh, especially to have been able to make this happen with Jaime and Eliasar. This is Jaime. Um, terrific, terrific experience to, to work with these two gentlemen, uh, and also with Rick, and, and thanks to OCP uh, for, for helping us put this together and for allowing us to make this happen. Uh, I also thank you, Tim, for allowing us to, to give us this time so we could uh, tell a little bit of the story behind the scenes. Uh, we are excited because the three of us will be together in Portland. We're actually going to be playing a concert to, in some of uh, Informal way, do a little uh, uh, like an, an opening, you know, of the of this CD as uh, as it comes out to the market, and so we're going to be playing a show in Portland uh, at the Church of the Ascension uh, this Friday night with the three of us together, along with Rick and other stars uh, there from Portland. Uh, Anna Bettencourt will be there, and Rudy Lopez and Stella Garcia. And so it would be a great uh, a great opportunity to be together and put this music and play it live. So it should be a wonderful experience. So that will be great. Uh, so all the very best to everybody, and hopefully the people from Portland will come out and see us. <clears throat> and this is Eliazar, and I want to thank you for your time and for your kindness to invite us to, to speak about our music. You can see that we are excited about this, this collection, <laughs> and uh, we hope that uh, it helps uh, a lot of people in the, in the, in the church to to find something that uh strengthened the, their faith and and their 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 singing as a congregation. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it guys. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Thanks Tim. Talk to you another time. And and if you, they want to reach out to you, uh, of course you can go to O C P website. Do you guys have personal websites you wanna share? Mm, I or don't Facebook. have one right now. It's down. Mine is down, but they can write me at OCP. Okay, perfect. Board. Okay. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. Okay. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Again, this has been another production of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim J.K., your host. Thank you guys for listening. You can download this episode on iTunes and Block Talk Radio. Uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. 
For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.